Welcome to Visibility Era, the podcast. We've created a community of business owners with a spiritual backbone who know that they are here to make an impact and be seen on top tier media, create relationships with high profile experts and speak on massive stages. And let's be honest, more exposure equals more money. And we are so here for that too. We're Bridget and Lydia, time to step into your Visibility Era. All right, everyone, before we hop into the episode today, we have something really cool that we have put together for the members of the Visibility on Purpose community who are authors or aspiring authors. Now, many of you may or may not know, but I have run a publishing company for the last three years, helped many, many authors get published and promote their books. Lydia has obviously been a publicist now for over a decade. And we found this really big gap when it comes to authors, right? We've written the books, we have edited books, we have published the book, we have promoted the book, and now what? Some things are starting to fall flat, or we're not selling as many copies as we wanted, we're only selling it to friends and family, and we're like, okay, how am I supposed to get this on everyone's Amazon cart and on everyone's bookshelves? We found that writers are really good at writing, but maybe they're not the best at pitching or marketing themselves. So we're doing a workshop for authors called From Author to Iconic. We'll spend 90 minutes together. We're going to talk about PR for authors, what it means, the importance of creating a personal brand, especially for your book, how to establish yourself as the face of the brand. Obviously, having a strong digital presence, especially when you're pitching yourself, is important for authors. We'll talk about what you need before pitching your book, how to highlight your book's value to gain the media exposure, and what most authors are doing wrong. It's $37. We're hosting the workshop on November 15th, so we'd love for you to join us. Look at the description of this podcast to grab your spot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Visibility Era, the podcast. Today, we are blessed with Laura Saltzman. I am so excited to have her here. We just found out that she's from Florida, too, so we're going to have to meet up in person. But Laura is an Emmy-nominated producer and um, a host who has worked for Access Hollywood, Today, E! News, Designing Spaces, and appeared as an entertainment and pop culture expert on CNN, MSNBC, and other media outlets. She now works as a corporate mindfulness and meditation trainer, which is so cool. We absolutely love that. Um, And she also helps businesses in social media and production and does a little bit of PR consulting. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I know. It's like, I'm doing a lot. <laughs> a lot, but they all make sense. We kind of, we're in all of these worlds as well. <laughs> yep. I be now, like I think before you couldn't be, you had to be one thing and stay in one lane. And now we're opening up all of our lanes. And now we've got like the, you know, the six lane 405 freeway for us. So it's good. Exactly. Exactly. There's more spaces to share more of our gifts. Mm-hmm. So uh, Bridget and I would love to just hear if we could start with your background, Um, it looks like the picture that you posted in the Facebook group was you on the red carpet. So I'd love to hear about just what that was like, your experience there, and maybe we can just transition into what you're doing today. Yeah. So yeah, it probably was me at the Emmys or the Oscars or one of those red carpets. It feels like a lifetime ago. It's so strange to me because like that was my life for 17 years and I haven't done it in so long that like it just, I, I get nostalgic when I think about all the, the time I spent on those red carpets. But my background is I started in entertainment news. 
Um, I worked for Access Hollywood. I was there as a producer for about nine years, and then I transitioned into their digital correspondent, which at the time, nobody had a digital correspondent. I was the first ever digital correspondent, and I really pushed them into the digital space because I just saw that that's where everything was heading. Um, I actually had an ex-boyfriend who was a tech analyst, and he was always the one who told me like where everything was heading 10 years before it got there. So he kind of helped me see the path. And so I did that for nine years. And then from there, I transitioned into some on-camera work for all those shows you mentioned, CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and TV Guide, which isn't around anymore. But a lot of um, media companies would have me on as their pop culture expert. And then from there, I actually started creating my own shows. After I left Access Hollywood, I was pitching shows um, shows with a purpose, which at the time nobody was buying. I think actually I should get them geared up again because now people are buying shows with a purpose. And then um, unfortunately, I went through some um, difficulties with my family. My brother died of cancer and my dad died by suicide. And that put me in a completely different lane and a different direction. And it, it turned me towards mindfulness and meditation. Those are all the things that helped me with my grief. But while I was doing that, I still I still longed for and ached for, and even now I still do. I love media. Like I love production. Every time I'm on a set, it gets me giddy. And so during that time, I ended up finding the company that, that does the production for Designing Spaces, which airs on Lifetime, and they hired me to do some episodes as well. And I still get drawn back in because I've been doing some social media and I can't get away from Hollywood no matter how hard I try because the company I'm currently working for that one of the spokespeople is actually Fran Drescher, who's the president of SAG-AFTRA. So I'm still working in a, you know, sir, in a circumference type of way in, uh, in the Hollywood space. Yeah. Wow. You've done so many things. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I do have a background in entertainment as well. I used to do PR for Grammy award winning artist. I was like in the city. And so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel you with all of that. Yeah. It's so, it's such an interesting world and it's so, it's so fun when you get to go to those events. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your experience, like on the red carpet though? Like, what was that like? And, um, were you interviewing live or yeah. Yeah. Sometimes like? I did, um, for NBC, I actually did the NBC.com live stream at the Emmys. Um, that was like a big deal for me. It was the first time I ever got to wear, like, you know, I remember I had a Nicole Miller dress that was, uh, by that I borrowed, I got to go to the Nicole Miller store and try on all these fancy dresses. Like that was a big deal for me. And my favorite interview from that day was Betty White. Like, I love Betty White. <laughs> Um, you know, and I have to say like in the beginning, it's what, like when you're on the red carpet, it is, it's like glitz and glam and it's so fun and, and it really is magical and you get to be all dressed up. It's like, you know, going to a, a, a wedding, um, in your fancy stuff. But then after a while, like it's a lot of things that people don't see behind the scenes. Like it's so freaking hot during the Emmys because the Emmys <laughs> are usually in September. Oh my God, you're sweating. Like I remember one time I was doing interviews and my left eyelash started coming off during the middle of a live interview. It's like, no one look at this, please. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, sometimes like the big shows, Access Hollywood, which I did work for and E! News and, and they had like these big overhangs. So they were blocked from the, the elements. But if you were working for the the digital or you know some of the the outlets that didn't have the budget to have these big things or couldn't have the big things, you were like barreling down with the sun. <laughs> it was so hot. So like those things definitely start to take their toll. And then I always found like with red carpets that over time when I first started, there was lots of space. 
and there was only five or six shows and then it grew and grew and grew and your space got less and less and less and you felt like you were like herded like cattle. So there did come a time where I was like, you know, this is not where I want to be anymore. I don't want to be on red carpets in this capacity. I'm happy to go to the events now, but I think my red carpet days have definitely uh, moved beyond. I've moved beyond them. Mm-hmm. I'm so curious because I'm also a yoga instructor, meditation, <laughs> breath work. So oh, yeah, we have, I love this. <laughs> we have so much in common, all of us. And I feel like you straddle both worlds. So what is it like for you to have, you know, one arm in this PR and media world, which is very like outward and expressive. And then you have this other arm, leg, heart in this like very internal space. So how do you balance both of them? So it's, it's funny you ask this question because I, I teach on a platform called Insight Timer and um, I do like readings for people because I am a psychic medium and I do all the, the woo for you. And I randomly, and never, nothing's ever random, but I, I popped into this other healers discussion, which I never do. I never go to other people's discussions on Insight Timer, but I just felt drawn to it. And within like two seconds of me entering the space, the the reader was like, oh, Lori, you're a teacher here. I want to read for you. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And he asked me during the live a question, like, that, was there a question that I had? And the question that I asked him was, sometimes I feel like I'm between two worlds. I feel like I'm in one element where I'm doing the mindfulness, the meditation, the spirituality, the readings, but then I'm also still so drawn to the media. Like I have fun. I just, I was working for a company helping them with social media. We were doing some production for YouTube and I have fun. Like that stuff gets me giddy. And I always guess I felt like I had to either pick one lane and, and what he said to me, and he just picked up on something that I needed to hear was just, you have to think of it as like the tent and the apex is up here and everything starts at the apex, right? It starts at the source. So it doesn't mean that you can't have all of those things work together. It's just figuring out what exactly that looks like. And I still think that I am figuring that out, but I do know that I do work with my clients, whether they're my own personal clients with what I do in terms of mindfulness and meditation and and spirituality, the same way I work with my clients that I work with in business. Like I'm very intuitive. I tell them things based on my intuition. I give them thoughts and ideas, like based on some psychic knowledge, like things that I see for them going forward. And so I do, I am able to cross them over. And the one thing that I feel very confident in right now, and I'm so grateful for is When I work for companies, I don't hide who I am. I don't hide what I've done as a metaphysical teacher. I speak the language I always speak. I talk the way I always talk. And if a company is not as bothered by that, then I'm not, they're not the right company for me to work for. So every company that I'm working for in the media space, they already know all that stuff. They, they love it. Like they're, sometimes they're like, Oh, can you do reading for me? (laughs) So yeah, it works. I mean, one of the places I actually work for is the four seasons in um, Miami and like same thing like they know everything that i do in the world and they're totally fine with it like they are the the property in this area in south florida that is very open they have you know they have people who do reiki there they sometimes do like tarot and oracle card readings i've gone down there to do readings for their uh residents and the clients who stay there so i think you find the places that you're a fit for. And I think we don't have to worry about it so much anymore. And I don't feel that any of us would want to work for companies that aren't aligned anyway. 
Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the listeners of the show are going to really love that because a lot of them do have this, this woo, this connection to nature, God, the divine, you know, that's just part of their essence. And what Lydia and I always love to encourage is like, that's absolutely part of you, your brand. And when you pitch, allow that to come through because the right people are going to receive that and go, Ooh, I like this. Or they're going to be like, it's not for me. And either way, it's a win. Well, I always tell people we're all channels for the divine. Every single one of us is channeling for the divine. We just don't often know it. We're creating our companies. We're creating our poetry, our music. We're creating our movies, our TV shows, our businesses, all of that. And sometimes we know it. And there's probably a smaller percentage of people who know it. And oftentimes we don't even realize it. So I think if you're not using your intuition for your business, for your services, you're actually doing yourself a disservice because you're missing a piece and a part of yourself that actually has the answers for you of how to move through that thing or how to get more publicity or get more visibility. So I would tell everyone like, open up to that idea. It's not woo-woo. It's not, it's not wacky or divine. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years have gone by where people have been tapping into that divine aspect of themselves and not realizing it. And there was a time when they were, they were calling people witches because they were just utilizing their intuition. And that's not happening as much as it was. Like people aren't judging as much of that stuff. I think this, the generation, uh, the Gen Z generation, like to them, it's just normal. Like that's just how they talk. You go on TikTok versus <laughs> Instagram versus Facebook, you will see the vast difference, like just put in the hashtag, um, you know, spirituality or awakening on TikTok, you're going to see billions of videos about that, you know, video views. If you put that on Instagram, maybe a third of that. If you put it on Facebook, maybe, I don't know, a little bit less quarter. I don't know. I'm not sure. If you go on LinkedIn, oh, it's really, really small. Like if you <laughs> mention spirituality on LinkedIn, a lot of times you get cricket. So it's, it's interesting, but but, you know, you find your place and you will, like you will find your place for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said all of this because for us, we always talk about how it's just like a way of life. Like just be you. It doesn't matter yeah. anymore. Like as, and I think that if we put more weight on it, that's what we'll receive back. If we just decide like, this is who we are and what we're doing, we're going to also receive that back. So speaking of this, um, I would love to hear a little bit more about your transition into uh, owning this and psychic mediumship. Cause I know you mentioned that and, um, yeah, just like what that looked like from going from such a corporate type of style job and then transitioning into uh, more like mediumship and consulting in that direction. So for me, it was a slow, a slow process. I mean, coming from that background of being in entertainment news and putting myself out there, like it was terrifying in the beginning but I, I knew that there was something. And so I became an author first. I started writing my books oh. and I wasn't even sure like if I was gonna, you know, put these books out there and then I felt called to. And then, I, you know, because of what you guys are doing, like with visibility and purpose, and this is actually my first book. So this became, this made me an expert. Be, writing a book makes you an expert and the media loves experts. So that was my first kind of dabble into it is that, you know what, now that I've written this book, now I am an expert. So I know that I can have a bigger impact by being an expert. And then I just kind of like stayed in that lane. And over time, I mean, I, I wrote those books back in 2017. I put them out in 2018. So over time, I, as I've, I've gone deeper into it, less of the ego part of myself that has that fear of being judged, um, that has started to dissipate. 
And now I'm more open to it. And then the thing I think that really changed for me is I just got out in front of people and I started speaking. My first like real deep dive into that was Clubhouse, the Clubhouse app. And that was an audio (laughs) only app. So it wasn't as scary. Like it wasn't as scary to put my face out. I didn't have to put my face out there. And I was able to be my authentic self. And I found a community and a tribe of people and women who were interested in all of that. And that gave me the confidence. And then from there, I started doing live readings. I'd never done live readings. For the most part, I'd just been doing it for friends and family. And then once I was doing these live readings and I was nailing it, everybody was saying, oh my God, that's so spot on. That's exactly what I'm going through. Thank you. It's amazing. That whenever I would show up live for readings, everybody wanted a live reading. And I was like, okay, feel like there's something here. And then from there, I got into the Insight Timer platform. And um, that went from me doing audio only to me being on camera and putting myself on camera, which was terrifying at first too. But because I have a background in television and I've been live on CNN and I've been live on all these different places, like the live aspect doesn't like this. I could talk to you guys for hours knowing that we're live and it wouldn't even affect me. Whereas some people would be like, "Uh, uh, I don't know what to say. So that really helped me in my, in my personal business to already have a background of being live And then again, it's like, once you just keep hearing people saying like, oh my God, that's so spot on. Oh my God, like you nailed it. This has changed my life. You realize that you have something. And then I've just kept like going and going and going. So now I do a lot of like live stuff, Insight Timer. I'll go live on Instagram and do readings for people and people could just keep showing up. So I know I must be doing a really good job. And then that transitioned into getting more of those one-on-one clients where because people had seen me on Insight Timer and had seen me on Instagram, they were more um, open to to working with me because I think one of the hardest things as healers is the idea of like, oh, I don't know, like I'm going to pay this person, but I don't know them. I've never met them. So I actually think if you're somebody, and this is advice for for anybody in this group too, is if you're somebody who is a service-based person, let people see you, be visible up front. Like go on live and share some tips about your business or show them what you do so they can watch you and get comfortable and feel like they already know you because the chances are if they already know you and they feel comfortable having never met you in person, that when you show up live with them in a one-on-one session or they become your coach or whatever it is, like it, you already have that level of comfort. Like they feel like they know you. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're the person that I saw, saw live. So that really sent me in a direction. And now I'm just like, I say whatever I want and it it, it the ego part is gone. So now I just, I share what I want to share. And either it's going to be listened to and received or it's going to go in one ear and out the other or people are going to roll their eyes. And that's not my problem. Like I I know who I am. Yeah. I love this tip about visibility and being seen in the voice because it is so powerful when we hear someone's voice. I always say that it strikes a chord within us. It's like that teaching of sound and how sound changes consciousness. So our voices have that ability to ignite and strike a chord within those that listen to. And then I like what you're saying around having your face being seen, because that just adds that whole other level. Like you can see my body language. I talk with my hands, I'm moving. I'm like part of the conversation. And I think that when we're trying to be seen for us just to be sitting and typing away and never actually utilizing our voice or seeing us on camera. I think you're absolutely right about the trust that is built when we do this. Yeah, 100%. And you know, it's surprising to me how many people actually only have audio podcasts and don't have a video component. When I was doing some PR for uh, an influencer, actually, 
she only wanted to be on podcasts that were video-based podcasts because she has such a huge social media following. She wanted to be able to share that on her social media. And she was in the entrepreneur space. And I was shocked how many people did not have a podcast that had a video component. And so I just think for me, it just seems intuitive to like go on camera. But for some people, I think it's it, it can be terrifying. So I would say like, if you have a podcast, maybe, and it's only audio, maybe it is time to have a video version of it, or at least record the video. So just like this, and then maybe take 20, 30 seconds of that, put it on your social media so people can actually see you and build that, that deeper connection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love that you mentioned your book because I don't know if you know this, but we are doing a workshop. It's called From Author to Iconic, where we are helping authors that want to get their book more visible, like how to do that because sales for books and getting their book more visible is a little bit different than just talking about your services. So I would love to just hear a little bit about like your experience of using the book as more of an, is building your authority and what that kind of looked like for you, maybe for sales or just like being able to talk about that piece of your business. Well, number one, as I said earlier, having worked in, in the television landscape, being a producer, being on camera behind the scenes, um, I know that when someone has that book that it, 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 it just amps them up. Like it amps them up. Like I'm going to pay attention. If I have two pitches in front of me and one person is an author who has a tangible thing and make, which makes them an expert and one person doesn't, I'm probably going to, as a producer, pick the person who has that tangible thing, because to me, they're just more of an expert. So I think having a book gives you, gives you a leg up as it is. That's, that's been my experience, both in front and behind the camera. And I think in terms of like, when it's when you're trying to get visibility for your book, I think that you are the product, honestly. Like this is a book, yes, and it is nice and it's got paper and it's got a pretty cover. Um, but I put the information inside of this book in these pages, right? Everything that's written in here came from the mind of the divine and the mind of Laura, which means that I am actually the product. So I'm the person that they're going to, to be buying. It's my information. So I think when you're trying to sell books, if you can shift into that mindset of like, you're the product. So what do you, what's inside of these 365 pages that I can share with the world that might lead people to actually want to buy my book or my other books that I have. So utilizing the information. If somebody tries to sell me a book, like, Hey, you guys, I just uh, am an author now. Look, buy my book. It's on sale on Amazon versus I've poured my heart and soul into this book. And there is some information that is life changing. In fact, there's something that I learned about money that I never knew before that absolutely positively changed my life. Like my bank account shot up like that. Who are you going to buy from? The person who's like, hey, buy my book, I buy a book, or the person who's going to help you change your experience. So that's where our mind needs to go when it comes to being an author. That was the most beautiful thing that I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> Bridget and I both are like looking at each other through the screen right now, like, yes, yes, yes. Because we've seen a ton of authors, um, business owners that have written books 
that do exactly that. They're like, okay, I've written a book, here we go. And they send out a press release and then they expect press to happen. And it's like, that's not the way to it. You need to really leverage your personal brand and also talk about the value in the book, which is basically what you said. So um, don't be surprised. And the only just time, like, like I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. Like the only time you should, it's okay to post a picture of your book is the day that you sign the deal, the day that it comes out. Like that that's the hook. Your book needs a hook too. So yeah. don't be afraid. Like, or even if it's the anniversary of your book, or I just finished it. Like when there's something that is important, that has a story to your book, absolutely. You can post about your book and you don't have to post about the value, but like use those. It's like, it's kind of like the national day calendar. You know, if you look at the <laughs> national day calendar and all these yeah. wacky national days, like those are great hooks to kind of be like, if you're a chef, and it's peanut butter and jelly day and you have the most epic peanut butter and jelly recipe like that's a great day to to let everybody know you have a great peanut butter and jelly <laughs> uh, recipe so kind of same with your book like don't be afraid to post around those big days but don't make just you talking about hey i'm an author buy my book your thing and i think that even goes for fiction because you know we're thinking more probably from that nonfiction. but i think for fiction it's the same thing the person like stephen king wrote his books he has all the information about it. And if Stephen King's going to hold up a book and say, I, oh, I wrote this book. It's called Carrie. What do you guys think? Isn't the cover nice? Versus writing this book was even terrifying to me. Like I remember being up in the middle of the night and getting like goosebumps while I was writing this book. Like it scared the heck out of me. And I wrote the book. Again, who are you going to buy from? The cover of Stephen King or that version of a story. Now, of course, we all get to a point where if you are Oprah Winfrey, if you're Michelle Obama, if you're Beyonce, if you're Britney Spears, it don't matter what you say in your book, people are going to buy it. But when you're not at that level, remember that it's the value that you bring from inside yourself that people are going to want to purchase from. Yes. Yes, Did you yes. write our copy? <laughs> Did you write our copy for this workshop? <laughs> yeah. We're speaking the same language, like to the exact same points. It's kind yeah. of crazy. Um, can I ask you, you don't have to share it. People can also buy the book and we can share it in the sh show notes, but now I want to know that money tip. You, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The secret to the secret. Here's the secret. Okay. Right? You, know, you heard a lot of the law of attraction and you heard of the secret, which is we create what you know, we create through our thoughts and our beliefs. So the secret is two things. Number one, you have to believe at the core level in what you're trying to receive. Most people say like, oh, I want to manifest money or I want to manifest this, but they're, they really don't believe it. When they even speak the words, you can actually feel it inside your body. Like you feel the difference of like, okay, I'm saying I believe it, but I really, really deep inside of myself don't believe it. The next piece is Everything already exists in this unseen. There's no new thought. There's nothing that doesn't exist, which means whatever you're desiring is already waiting for you in the unseen. It's, it's just waiting for you to align to it and get out of the fear zone and get out of that lack of belief and get into trust in order for it to show up. So it really becomes what are we thinking? What are we believing? What are we emoting? What vibrational level are we at to bring through? And then I will even take it further in that most people need money, meaning like they think that they're missing, it's lacking in their life. Whereas in spirit, if we get to the level of spirit, we realize that money is a vehicle and a vessel for us to do things and have experiences on this planet, but it's not the end all be all. And so people who are in trying to manifest lots and lots and lots of money are usually people who have 
a very long journey to go back towards understanding who they are at a deeper core level towards enlightenment. Because those who are enlightening are starting to recognize and understand that what we desire is not money. We actually desire freedom. We desire to be able to have experiences. We desire to be able to live life on our own terms and independently. And that is the vehicle. The money would be the vehicle for that. But we don't need McMansions and we don't need, you know, all the things that that we think. We don't need 10 cars. We don't need 10 <laughs> houses. And if you're still in that state of being mind, that's okay. Like there's no judgment whatsoever. It's just getting into the understanding that that we are here for experiences, for spiritual growth, for enlightenment. We're not here to get, 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 get. We're here to give, 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 give. I love that. Yeah. Such a good reminder. Such a good one. I want to pull us back to some like nitty gritty pitching things that you just kind of reminded me of when you said, you know, when you get two pitches and someone has a book versus someone who doesn't. So what are those pitches that really stand out to you or, and, and what are some of the ones that you just are like, throw it out the door right away? If somebody just sends me a press release, it's going to get deleted. Press releases are (laughs) And this is it. Press releases are the information that a journalist needs to write up your story. So if I want to know like, oh, you have an event coming up, or if I want to know a little bit of the bio about that person, like the press release is just going to give me that information, but I'm never, ever, ever going to um, book you on my show based off your press release. I'm going to book you on my show based off of your pitch, based off something that made me go, oh, wow, I really love that as, as an idea. I'm going to book somebody on the show based on a past relationship. Here's something that I've seen people say in PR that I actually disagree with. Um, mm-hmm. And that is people will say that are publicists, especially I see this on LinkedIn a lot, that you never get booked off of a friendship. And I'm like, sorry, but that's actually untrue. I have booked many people because of the friendships and relationships that I built with them. Even if they weren't (laughs) the greatest story in the world, I still went to bat for them because of my prior relationship. And so, yes, if you have a terrible product and you're my friend, I'm going to have to be honest and be like, listen, it's not going to work. And I've had to do that many, many times. I've had to pass. But there are times when there has been someone or something, even, you know, especially in the celebrity world, like I have booked a lot of C and D list celebrities because of my relationships and friendships with publicists at networks and studios that I never would have booked if they had just come to me without them. So I think that relationship building is really, really, really important. And I think also being honest when, you know, if I couldn't book somebody, I'm going to say, look, I love you and I value our friendship but this is not going to work. So those are those are ways to get booked. But I have also booked people, especially when I worked for E! News, that just had a really great freaking story that I'd never heard before. And I was like, yeah, oh my God, I love this. I want to do this story. And the, the truth is, I actually don't see a lot of those. If I get 150 pitches a day, I would say of those 150, 125 go in the trash can, 25 I take a better look at, and maybe three to seven, I'm like, okay, this could be very, very interesting. Like, I kind of like that. I've also seen in the celebrity world, sometimes you have a celebrity that's not that big of a name, but the company is a big name and the marriage of the C-list celebrity and the brand is a really good marriage. And I really, and it really just spoke to me and I've, I've gone to bat for places like that. So I, I think it's like, you have to really be creative with your pitches. You have to think outside the box with your pitches and you can't just send the same pitch to every person. I think personalization is big. If somebody's like, oh, you know, I saw you on Access Hollywood. I used to watch your segment, Dish of Salt. 
I would much, I would read that email any day versus, hi, Laura, my company is blah, 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 and I've got blah, blah, blah. Then I'd be like, oh. And I have to be honest, I've seen some big PR firms making that mistake too. And I've also worked with little teeny time PR firms that I've had on because they've been more personalized. And I think that that human component is really impactful. Yeah. I love everything you shared. It's so funny. I'm just laughing over here because I feel like you have hit every single thing we have spoken about this week down yeah. to the, <laughs> down to the press release. Yep, so yep. I don't know if you did the, your due diligence or if yeah, but it's just... 25 years of being on both sides and, and being yeah. a reporter and being a journalist and working with PR firms and now being someone who helps people get PR. So I've been on both sides of the coin and I have absolutely 100% gotten people in my PR role, working in PR, booked on shows because of my friendship and my relationship. And it had nothing other than me kind of pushing that through. And so I, you know, I've seen it everywhere. I also teach for um, a company called TV Hosting Academy, and we do a lot of DIY PR courses for experts. So I've been doing this for a really long time. I've done this, I've done a panel on, on PR many times. And I think it's good to have both sides of the equation too, because now not only am I working in PR and helping people with all that, but I'm actually now having to pitch myself. I never had to pitch myself. Like that was weird for me. Usually like they would just call me and be like, Hey, can you come and talk about, you know, American Idol or Dancing with the Stars or The Voice? Cause those were some of my shows that I covered and, you know, CNN would call me up. But now it's like, if I want to get on CNN, I have to pitch CNN. I actually just pitched myself to the Today Show last month. And it's like terrifying to have to pitch yourself. (laughs) So I'm now seeing even in that, like, what gets my emails opened? And my email that I was sending out did got nowhere, but I sent a really great pitch to the Today Show that had a personal touch to it that was trending in the world. And that was way more likely to get on the, the show than it ever was with me just saying like, hi, I'm a meditation teacher. No, that's not going to work. We got to figure out something, something creative around that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Angles and I think I always joke around, but I think what made me really good at my job just as a publicist is working. I worked in a few different firms, but like I worked with huge artists. So their names backed it. So kind of like whatever I did, it was like, you know, the Beach Boys name on it, name was on it. Didn't really matter. (laughs) Of course, Mm -hmm. it needed to be well-written, but at the end of the day, everybody knows who they are. And then I worked with a lot of um, products. So if we're going through like the trajectory of my career that were boutique products, just launched things like that. And you would be up against like these really big names. So how do you get creative? How do you get personal? That's the only way that you're going to really beat out your competition with these big companies that have been around for a long time. They have these like powerhouses to back them in terms of marketing. It's like, what are we going to do? And it works the exact same way when it comes to personal brands and pitching yourself for TV editorial. It's like, what, what is your story? What are you going to share? What value are you going to provide for that media outlet? So they say, yes, this is actually going to contribute to my listeners or readers or whatever it is. Yep. And the hardest part, I think sometimes is actually just getting people to open your emails because everyone's so busy now and they're getting so many emails. So just trying to find like unique ways to even get them to open your initial email, because sometimes you feel like you're just in a vast landscape, but it's like out there hanging in in the the nethers and no one's actually looking at it. Right. So it it is like, it is a, to me, it can sometimes be a numbers game, but I think if we go back to our intuition 
you get what you put out there. So if you go into it with the mindset of like, oh, nobody's going to know my email, nobody's going to care about me, all these big companies I'm in competition with, then that's what you're going to create for yourself. But if you go into it with enthusiasm, excitement, if you can already see yourself and your brand on the Today Show. In fact, some of my clients are experts. And these are my clients that were my one-on-one clients for my spiritual stuff. And what I would do for them as a psychic and as a medium is I would see for them the places that I knew that they were going to be on. And I remember distinctly telling one of my clients, I kept seeing her on a a morning show in Chicago. And like, I can see it. I see the background. I see you sitting there. I said, I think it's going to be a repetitive thing. And I know you're going to end up like coming back. And sure enough, within eight months, she got that, that um, call to be on the show in in Chicago. And she's been on many, many, many times. So if you can see it in your mind, and feel it within yourself, then I know it's possible for you. And now you just got to get out of your own way and get rid of the fear and the doubt and the insecurity and allow that to just show up for you. So if you can see yourself sitting there having a conversation with some, you know, media personality, then I know it's possible. And, and maybe you don't know it's possible. And that's the problem is why it's not showing up for you. Mm-hmm. What do you see as next for you? Like maybe you're already visualizing something for yourself. Is there something big so I've seen things that never came to pass. And I know that those were some, those things sometimes were my own fault. Like in the beginning, I always saw myself like on the, the super soul Sunday with Oprah Winfrey. I used to dream about that. Um, I used to see, like, I would see it all the time, but at some point as there became more teachers and more people who were writing books, my own insecurity and fear took over where I was just like, well, she's never going to have me on. I'm not Gabby Bernstein. I'm not this person. And I know that that dissipated because of my fear and insecurity. But there's been many times where I've seen myself in dreams where all of a sudden, like, I'm, I'm like, oh, a, a total deja vu. I, I've already been here. It's already happened for me. And I think moving forward, somebody, the person I was talking about yesterday on Inside Timer, he said it very well. It's not about, we don't need more teachers anymore when it comes to like spirituality and metaphysics, but we need are more people who are holding the light, who are embodying their teachers. And that's actually where I see myself going. I actually see myself embodying more my teachings in the world rather than being so face forward with it. Um, Because I think that I've gotten to a point where I've done all the work. I've written all the books. I'm, you know, and I'm still writing books and they're still coming out, but I don't feel so called to be so in your face. And because I finally realized that you can't awaken people who don't wish to be awoken. It's they're just not going to be, it's just not going to happen. Right. And, and it's pushing, like I'm, I was pushing at people and now I'm just like, okay, that's not serving me. It actually gives me anxiety. So I'm going to just spend more time in being. And then through that, the things that do show up in my experience will be there for a reason. I used to hustle for clients all the time and I never do that anymore because what I've learned is that my clients show up for me when they're ready and when they show up for me, I always know that I'm going to have the answers for them because they found me. And in fact, if if I think about my journey before this, the spiritual teacher that I worked with for a long time, I found her. She didn't find me. I, she didn't even, she wasn't even on social media at that point. I found her. So your people are going to find you. And that's where I'm trying to, to go. So um, some of those bigger things that I see for myself are not so like, oh, I have to, I have to. Now I'm just like, I'm going to embody and embrace my spirituality and who I am and speak authentically. And I actually think that 
I, I still love the media stuff. So I see myself still sticking with that and doing some of that stuff and maybe marrying them together and, um, and working with brands and companies, as we said, who are more into it, who want to work with healers and, um, you know, corporate mindfulness trainers and corporate meditation teachers, because they want to infuse that into their business. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I feel like you, I mean, it's, it's, of course, we've met you. Of course, we're having this conversation with you today yeah. because you have basically been in our ears. Like you, everything that you've said today has been how we've been feeling, how we've been talking about PR and media. So, and about mindfulness and this beautiful intersection. So we're just yeah. so grateful that you could come on here today. It feels, I have chills because it feels very um, just divine for us as well. So thank you so much, Laura. Yeah. And I love that you guys also focus attention on these, you know, influencers who are, and businesses and brands that are trying to put that message out in the world because we need yeah. it, it. Like they're, we're all pieces of the puzzle and we need that too. So your, your gifts in that vein are extremely important too. Gosh, thank you. So where can everybody find you? Because after this conversation, I think you, you're going to blow a lot of people's minds. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I'm on at Laura Saltman everywhere, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, social media is like all at Laura Saltman. And then my website is laurasaltman.com. So if you are looking for help, just like around spirituality or awakening to your own gifts and all of that, I help people with that. But I also do work with corporate clients to help in that intuitive business sense where I can help them see and understand like what's blocking them, what's possible for them. So um, I think it's a great, a great way to build something into your business. I hope one day that people will have like spiritual advisors on their advisory board as well. Yeah. I think that would be important. In fact, some of the greatest um, entertainers, some of the greatest entrepreneurs and inventors in this world had spiritual healers Correct. they worked with. So yeah. hopefully we'll move more into that too. Absolutely. I think everything comes in cycles and back in the day, the Kings and Queens had their people. So yeah. <laughs> we're coming yeah, back. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Too funny. Thank you so much, Laura. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you everybody else for tuning in to another episode of Visibility Era, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow along with us on Instagram at Visibility on Purpose or jump into our free Facebook community. It's called Visibility on Purpose Community. Please give us a five-star review, rate us, write us a little comment if you feel so inclined. We are so grateful to have you here on this journey with us.